All right. Welcome, everybody. Another edition of the Bob Jeswald Show from Columbus, Georgia. We like to reach out very far. We extend our olive branch, and sometimes we we catch something really good. In response to this today, you're going to hear about a former professional baseball coach, a, a man who walks pilgrimages all across Europe, amazing survivor, and so much more. It takes someone special like this to be a success, as he was in his coaching career. We're going to learn more about that coming up next right here on the Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Hey, jamming to the tunes again today. Uh, Joanne Kogel has the week off today. She's enjoying a wedding and, and doing her fun stuff. Today, we go a little bit farther. We go a little bit remote. And uh, via Zoom right now, I want to introduce a great guy, Tom uh, Gamboa. How are you? All the way from California at the Beach House, <laughs> chilling. And I see the American flag flying there behind you and in the foreground. That, that signals a, a lot about your patriotism and love for country, it looks like. Yeah. Well, Bob, it's good It's good to finally meet you. I feel like we've known each other because I watched my granddaughter on WRBL at night, and I always see you doing the weather. That's right. But, yeah, th- this is our sixth family reunion here on Balboa Island. And as you can see, there's th- literally thousands of American flags over the island that they put up during the summertime, but especially on the weekends of uh, of July 4th and the upcoming Labor Day weekend is what they're preparing for. So that that's what you see in the background. I love it. I never got a chance as much as I spent time in California and, and Nevada. Um, and those days I, I spent a lot of time out there. I just couldn't get to Balboa, but I had a lot of friends that had interest there, a real estate agent who actually teed me up to success in the real estate market back in the nineties, which helped me out a lot to, to make a little extra money. And, and her name was Mary Starr. I don't know if you recognize that name and Cliff Bilbo. There were two, two good friends of mine out there and they had a place at on Balboa Island as well. They wanted to get me out there and I can't believe I never got out there, but I can see it and live vicariously uh, via Zoom, which is great. Speaking of which, you said about your granddaughter, that is Kenzie Beach. And at this time of this podcast, I'm sure if somebody's listened to it years later or whenever, Kenzie's making it big wherever she goes next. And uh, we love Kenzie. So she's going to be coming back here with us uh, shortly. But she told me a lot about you and everyone knows in this, you know, we sometimes Tom, you know, we kind of get in a place of faith and your, your, you know, your strength and, and much more that gets you where you are in life, you know, and I, and I hear the story and I can't help but think that, but also a journey that is someone who says you just don't settle for a diagnosis to say, hey, this is it. Uh, you had the foresight and fortitude, and I have to attribute to a lot to probably being a leader and a coach that says, hey, look, I, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to move forward. You were diagnosed with bladder cancer and what stage was it when you were first diagnosed with bladder cancer how many years ago was that uh hell it was the worst day of my life bob april 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 25th of uh 2019 uh, a little over three years ago yeah the, the, i never even heard the term bladder cancer but on that day i found out that there's three types of bladder cancer and the first two uh, in generic terms, are more like crabgrass. With a liquid chemo, they can keep killing it and keeping it bay, and you very rarely die of it, but it keeps coming back. And unfortunately, in my case, I had the third kind, which kills you. And um, Kenzie's mother, Kristen, went with me when we supposedly started to get treatment. We were told that the general treatment for bladder cancer was chemo and radiation, but the uh, radiologist 
told me that she said, although I pride myself on what I do, what you have radiation would do no good for. And I've already consulted with a chemo specialist and that wouldn't do any good either. And at that point I, I said, well, am I going to die? And she said, no, I actually have two pieces of good news for you. One of which is, although you have the deadliest form of bladder cancer, it has not metastasized. That's a plus. And the second one is you have the type that if you can get rid of it, it's the least likely to ever come back again. And thank God she pointed us in the direction of Keck Hospital at USC, where a world-renowned doctor does this operation called a radical cystectomy where in an eight-hour procedure, he removed my bladder and my prostate and made a new bladder out of a piece of my small intestine. And although I lost 30 pounds and it was basically a year recovery with the help and the love and strength of my <laughs> my five kids and my grandkids, oh, sure. uh, and, and Kenzie was a major factor in this because she lived with me for three months and helped me get through a major part of it. Uh, I'm, I can now proudly say three years hence, I'm, I'm cancer free. And my oncologist said that the pr prognosis is so good. He's only going to see me once a year. Oh, this and, is you know, just great. So it's a, I have a real strong faith and a great family. And I had a lot of fortitude. I worked my ass off yeah. physically, not knowing whether I was going to get chemo, radiation, surgery. I worked out from dawn till dusk to get in as good a shape as I could to handle what was coming. And my oncologist said that he refers to me as his all-star patient. Well, how so. about that baseball vernacular? Hey, <laughs> and I could tell you, you say that and you talk just like a coach. You're coaching yourself in a sense. And <laughs> you come across like you're a commanding general. You know, I'm from the Fort Benning area. So if I see you, I see leadership. Okay. You know, I see somebody who, who possesses those skills. And I, I love it. And you did work your ass off. I mean, who, yeah. who wouldn't? Something like this. You, you know what's interesting, though, Tom? When you say this, so people understand, you had you had the deadliest form. It obviously was, I'm assuming, stage one. If it goes two, three, and four, forget about it. It's already spread or metastasized. And in your case, it, it was able to be contained before you did that uh, procedure where they take some of the intestine, make it as another bladder. But you did lose the prostate. In the, in the thing. At least you don't have to worry about BPH. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to worry That's about true. that anymore. You know, you're not going to get up a hundred times a night to pee, uh, which happens a lot of us males over 50, which uh, we've talked to urologists here uh, many times on the Bob Jeswald show too, which would find your case very interesting. So I, I want to bring this up to a couple of them and bring them back and, and tell them about your case, because this is something to me is fabulous. If it gives somebody some sense of hope, and, uh, and, and I'm wondering, even with those other two forms of cancer that take liquid chemo and, and it has to be consistent, it seems like that would just be tiring and, and perhaps debilitating and may lead to, consequently, other, other problems. I mean, it's not saying you want to have the third kind that you had, but it seems like if you catch it quick enough, that's the kind you want to have. Well, you're right. Uh, actually, two, two people at my country club... Uh, subsequently got the other forms of bladder cancer and in layman's terms it's almost like acid washing your pool they have to go in every three months uh, and because tumors will regrow and so basically every three months they have to go in and get a scraping of a new tumor that's formed or every six months but periodically they come back and then they inject a liquid chemo and in basically 15 minutes, you're supposed to rock from side to side 
just like acid washing a pool, and that will kill the microscopic. So it's an ongoing process, but at least, you know, at least they're they're still living. Yeah, I am. And, yeah. and for and for people that that do uh, listen listen to your uh, Bob your podcast, Bob. The, the, the question I got most asked the most uh, when you talk about hope is that my friends, knowing that I live alone, once, you know, Ken's went back to school and I was on my own in the desert, they said, how did you sleep at night knowing that you were carrying what th- could be a, th- a, 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 a terminal illness? And I said, that's a good, great question because the, the night I got diagnosed, I was up all night because your, your life really does flash in front of you. I've got five kids, nine grandkids, and 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 I got a real zest and a passion for life. I didn't want it to end, but I I knew after being up all night, I needed. I th- I thought I can't do this again. So what I did is set a plan in motion, where I walked three miles when the sun came up. I I swam in my pool. I rode my bike. I played my eighteen holes of golf. I swam in my pool again before dark. I, I exercised so I lifted weights that I was so tired Amazing. that fallen, that I was falling asleep at eight o'clock at night and ready to go again the next day <laughs> to keep my mind occupied from yeah. going to a dark place. That you you and, got yeah that that I mean this is, is inspiring because it gives it, this is an alternative exercise mm-hmm. which parlays into that. Um, and before we get into that, you I mean how did you get to a place? And we're going to get into that, but. Does, is this medically, did you start doing this walking before you went to the hospital to say this is a treatment we're going to look after? Well, that's a good question. No, I was never a hiker or a walker. I've always been active, baseball and golf. Right. Anybody that knows me my whole life for those two sports. But uh, to just segue into a, a separate topic, in, in 2011, my mother, I'm an only child, and she lived two miles from me. She got terminal cancer. In, in five different organs of her mm. body. I mean, and and so I, I retired from baseball at that time to give time to her. And in fact, I told her, I said, Mom, I'm going to take you to so many movies, plays, concerts, and restaurants. There's no time for diet. And, and, and consequently, one of the movies we saw, which was a terrific movie, and it happened to be about death, was, was called The Way with Martin Sheen. Oh, okay. And, okay. It, and it was about this famous, at one time, a Catholic pilgrimage. Now it's famous all over the world. And it was a 500-mile walk across the French Pyrenees and the whole country of Spain. And seeing this movie that my mom wanted to see, not knowing anything about it, and knowing that my mom was dying, I told my kids and grandkids, you all need to rent this movie because when your grandma dies, I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to do this. And my kids were like, you're you're 65. (laughs) You're going to do what? (laughs) And so once I, once I accomplished that, it it did so much for my blood pressure and my heart rate that I just got in the habit of walking all the time. I never stopped. I never stopped. So that was an easy part. I assume this is over. This is a year post, you know, rehabbing after your surgery, yeah. right? Yeah, at least because Correct. you were pretty weak that first year, so people understand. Oh, oh no, they they wanted me to walk the next day. Oh, for the love with, of God. Carrying the saline bag and all the, and all the tubes. That was years before. Yeah, That's, but this was, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Caminos were back in 2012. Right, okay. So, you know, so it was a long time ago on that. But I my point is I continued to walk 
uh, right up until, so it was, it was easy when I got diagnosed to just continue my walks. I think of Camino, the Grand Camino. I mean, I think I think of all these different things, the vehicle, you know, I think of Clint Eastwood, I think of the movies and, and much more. But to do a pilgrimage like that is just remarkable. Here's, when you went to the hospital, how did you even know how to get that, that surgery? I still, that's what intrigues me. Who would come up with that? I mean, would it be anywhere else in the United States, somebody listening, God forbid they get a bladder cancer, the, the form of cancer that you had, the, the terminal kind, and, and, and it had not reached levels that would spread through your body, and, and you're, you're taking on all this walking and everything else. How did you get directed to, uh, you went it, to USC, is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, in my case, it, re it really was a miracle because we found out that the best, the best guy in the country for what I needed happened to be 100 miles from where I lived a Dr. C. Adonishmond at Keck Hospital at USC, but he only did consultations once a week. This was in April, and he was booked till August, and we couldn't take the if, – if your cancer metastasizes outside the bladder, you're not even eligible for the surgery. Oh, so for God's sake. So I that's important to, to note. A, yeah. I was going to a different place, and unbeknownst to me, I have a – one of my daughters lives in Dallas, Texas, for a medical firm, while I was going to see Kenzie's sister graduate from SMU, my daughter in Dallas asked her boss, my dad has a, a, a life-ending disease, this bladder cancer. Do we know anybody that can, that can fix him? And her boss said, no, but we will in the next 20 minutes. Her boss reached out to all her reps in the States, five of them, and said, who is a specialist for this radical cystectomy? And four of the five came up with the same guy that at Keck that we wanted to see. And my daughter, unbeknownst to me while I'm on the plane, my daughter said, in your position, is there any way you could get my dad in to see this guy? And when she called, they had just had a cancellation. And the woman said, if he could be here at 9 o'clock next Thursday, we can see him. That's so you talk about you talk That's about miracles. Miracle. Amen it, to that, it was, brother. God. It was fate. It was fate. That's incredible. That and and. That's what people have to understand. Don't be afraid. Pick up the daggum phone. Make mm -hmm. some calls, and you'd be surprised how far you go. I'm not, I'm not you know, because many areas just don't have that medical advancement. You you have to sometimes hundred miles away. In your case, somebody may be a thousand miles away. But yep. we, we need to really tap that and and understand that. But as you get this crazy diagnosis and, and thinking, God, this is it. You're by yourself. I mean, I, I admire this. And you're like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to play some golf. <laughs> I'm going to go run. I'm going to do whatever I can, walk and 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 swim and lift weights. Uh, you're 65. You were probably 64 when you got this diagnosed or 63? 60, 60, 65. 65. So you were 65. No, no. Wait, take it back. No, three, three years ago. I was 71. So, I, oh, okay. I was in retirement. Oh. I was in retirement. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Okay. But it's a, no, that's okay. So, the, you you did three of these Caminos now. Let's just get back to this. So this is post. You're celebrating life like there's no tomorrow. And, I mean, you're like this this guy who's been rejuvenated, going back, uh, you know, turning the clock back 20 years. Who, who knows, right? And and you decide to go on this pilgrimage. Um, are you Catholic by any chance, or were you? what's your faith? Yeah, you, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. Catholic. And, yeah. and, uh, but but, but uh, before you compliment me, I, I had no intention of doing three. Believe me. Okay. But, I, I had no idea how hard walking 500 miles. I really didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. But my my feet, the blisters that I got, twice I ended up in the hospital during the month of this 500 miles. 
because I had blisters on top of blisters. That's but insane. I, I did it after seeing the movie, which is very inspiring and is a true story. We need to look way. at this. Uh, Sheen did the part. It, it, Mark, Mark, Martin, Mark, Sheen Martin Sheen actually walked. Yeah. He actually walked the Camino. So and he his did. Son, okay. Emilio wrote the script and got his dad to star in it based upon his uh, his dad's experiences in doing the so Camino. So Emilio Estevez, yeah, I, I have to yeah. look. Yeah, this is, this is I'm so, going to watch this. So, so I decided to do it as a testament to my mother's life and my my kids and an ex-girlfriend created a, I didn't know what a blog was, and I posted in it daily. And for thir- for the 27 days that I walked this 500 miles, I went to mass every every day. I went to communion every day and dedicated the whole thing to my mother's life. And, and I met people from all, you couldn't name a country on this planet that I didn't meet people from wondering how they knew about it. But in the rest of the world, this is very famous. It was only in the United States that we didn't know about it until the movie was made. And uh, But I had no intentions of ever doing it again. But I bonded with a guy from France that spoke very little English. And you know, when you're walking that far, it's nice to have somebody to commiserate with and to share sure. a meal with. And the next year, I was retired. And his wife got stage three ovarian cancer, and he was going to do another one praying for a miracle for his wife. And uh, I really didn't want to go, but I, 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 I was retired, and I had so much respect for this guy that he wanted me to be his wingman. And so I did a second one, and 10 days into it, his best friend died of a heart attack, and the wife was so distraught he had to leave to make funeral arrangements, but oh. he wanted me to finish for his wife. This so is- I did, I did the second one, most of it alone flew to his city with my walking stick and certificate and my cap and gave it to his wife and, and, you know, miraculously medically, what have you, we are now, that was 2013, nine years post she has had no signs of cancer, and she's as healthy as can be today. So Bob Jeswold show. Now we're talking more. I mean, this is becoming more spiritual by the moment. I, I yeah. I'm impressed. I mean, there, you know, and I could share this. The, the show is is to inspire people, <clears throat> give them hope, and and at the same time explain to people that you know if you take the initiative and you do things, you could do things medically or whatever it may be. But this this is really kind of brought you to another level for God's sake. I mean, this, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, these pilgrimages that, that to me, 500 miles, how long did it take you to do it? And what time of year are you doing this? Because that, well, the, the, there's a, there's for people that are interested, there's a book by John Byerly who's considered the, it's the Bible of the Camino because he's done it seven or nine times. And everybody that I saw on the, Camino, whether they were from Malaysia, Germany, England, China, Everybody had his book in their back pocket. And and he says that the best month to do it is the month of September because the albergues where you stay are less crowded because students and teachers are back in school. And, and weather-wise, uh, you're before the rainy season in France and Spain, but you're post the summer heat. So I, I, I did all three of them in the, in the same month of September. Um, and like I said, the second one I did out of friendship and respect, and then I thought I was done. But five years later, in 2018, my my 
oldest of my five kids, Brett, who is a hiker, uh, his daughter was nine. And he said, Dad, I think it would be great if three generations of our family, meaning myself, my son, and his daughter, did the, uh, did the Camino together. I love. So, it. I would love to. I mean, I, I, I'm just. This is getting me like pumped up here. I mean, I can't imagine doing this. One pair of sneakers, hiking shoes. Do you wear a backpack? Where do you stop? Where do you do you go to these uh, hostels or something along the way? That's right. yeah. yeah, they're called yeah, uh, hostel. Uh, they're called albergues. Albergues right. or another. Yeah, the, the American. And, and yeah. for for basically seven euro, ten U.S. dollars at the time, you would get a bunk bed and a hot shower. And then for an extra five to 10 euros, depending on what part of Spain you were in, you would get a three course meal and uh, you can't eat enough calories to, I mean, I, I lost 20 pounds on each one that I did. Right. Uh, right. Although the, although the third one, I have to be honest with, with my son and granddaughter, I strained the groin on day 11. So I only did 135 miles and flew home, but it was a bonding experience. I'll never forget but my son and my nine year old granddaughter, they not only did the full 500 miles, but they went an additional 30 to Finisterra, which is the 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 the, the, the ocean, the seaport in Spain. So that's quite, that was quite an accomplishment for a nine-year-old girl. Golly, I can't believe that this makes. I mean, it, and we're spoiled with Airbnbs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't gonna get that treatment when you're along that path. But but yeah. it, the distance and time. I mean, hilly terrain. I, I'm you know I know geography a little bit, but I assume you got some high elevation, low weather conditions are changing despite it's September. Um, but you know how long has it taken the average person? I mean, the first well, time it, you did this, is your speed uh, increased. Uh, for any for anybody that's interested, Byerly's book recommends thirty five days. Okay. Which Jesus Christ lived thirty three years, and Byerly put in two rest uh, tour days because, ironically, at the ten day mark, you're in Burgos, Spain, which is a beautiful, huge city, and on day twenty, um, you're in Lyon, which is another beautiful big big city and he, so he, he encouraged those to be two rest days and to plan 30 35 days 33 of which are walking but i did the first one on my own um in 27 days and then the, the second one i did a different camino there was 300 miles i did in 19 days and then my son and granddaughter they did the full month 31 days to do their, their 500 miles. Oh, that's un that's unreal. What about Kenzie? Now we talked about Kenzie earlier. <laughs> Kenzie, you're somewhere looming around there where I, I don't know. Oh, where she's, she's right at. here. She's right there. She's Kenzie, right pop your little head in there that I know yeah. this is, she's told the story, Tom, and Hello. I could see her face light up. There she is. We recognize <laughs> her. There she is. She's a sweetheart. But uh, Kenzie, when you, when you knew that granddad had this um, and you were telling me the story and she really lit up. I mean, when she told me the story, Tom, I was like, gosh, I got to get him on this podcast. I mean, people got to hear it. It doesn't sound real. It's almost surreal. Um, and hearing you put it together here, it, it, it really puts, uh, it, 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 it typifies that, you know, this, this guy's a success. He, you can, you can do it. But Kenzie, how do you feel now? I mean, I know you got to be, you know, enlightened a little bit, inspired by this. What, what, what do you think? And you run. I know you're a runner, but what? Yes, yeah. I do run. I would say, I mean, he's just such an inspiring guy. And I was telling him, you know, not only his years in baseball and then him doing the Camino when his mom passed. How many years ago was that? When he did the Camino? 2012. 2012. Yeah. And then that's so inspiring. But then seeing the way, and you guys talked about it a little 
the way he handled his cancer diagnosis. And I think, you know, nowadays it's just kind of a reality. So many people get diagnosed with cancer, but I think it's what he did with it and watching that like at 71, some people would be like, you know, I lived a great life, but for him it was like, I, I mean, we're such a close knit family and I've been always so close with him, always spent summers with him when he was in baseball and stuff like that. But for, for him to then say, you know, I'm going to get like a little emotional, but that he has, you know, five kids and these nine grandkids, he's like, I still want to be here. I still want to be around. And I think so many people would be like, I'll do what I can do. But I mean, he's cancer free. He still walks every day, plays golf every day, swims every day, bikes every day. And it's just so inspiring that like life is meant to be lived and you have to live your life. And he always did that. So somebody with so much zest for life wants to keep going. But I think anybody listening to this, whether you've been like that for 30 years, 20 years or not at all, get up tomorrow and walk. Get up tomorrow. Doesn't have to be diagnosed with. Because I think it saved his life. Yeah, well, he, yeah. all the doctors that I that I've seen, and particularly Doctor Donishman, they, they can't even explain it. But they, do, it's a it's a fact that some people get cancer, and their their attitude that it's over and and get depressed and dwell on it. Two people with the same type of cancer, one can go downhill and literally be gone within months, and the other one survives years and years and years, and they. They, they they say that there's no doubt that attitude has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm that seems like the general theme through a lot of these that I do. Um, I had a young lady on here, and and she had uh, the anal cancer, very really uh, terrible, and she couldn't get the proper chemo. Chemo made her get this um, fog brain fog, and and it, it was causing her to have seizures. And they said, well, we can't. And one doctor, she finally found something just by asking a lot of questions and researching, found a chemo for breast cancer, which has nothing to do with anal cancer. But somehow that worked because thinking out of the box, try different things. She didn't stop. She was the one pressing the doctors. And this is local. I'll give uh, some shout outs here to, uh, to Columbus, Georgia, little Columbus, Georgia here. And um, it took her uh, a lot of a lot of asking questions, pushing, pushing, pushing until somebody just said, you know what, what the heck do we have to lose? Let's try this. She wanted to live. And today as we speak, I saw Christy Mills just a couple days ago and she's doing great so it's the attitudes that you just said like what you have and what christy has and much more that obviously brings you to this place right now i mean 500 miles and pilgrimages and much more but and now in balboa island playing golf every morning and and lifting some weights which is good but but i also think one thing too and it's kind of what you're saying is being such an advocate for yourself yes because you you have to you know you have to ask the questions, push the, but, and don't get me wrong. It's a lot of work. I mean, after your surgery, it was a lot of recovery, but you got to pour into the people you love. And I mean, my mom had got diagnosed with breast cancer about a, was that a year ago or a year and a half ago? And same thing is a lot of work. It's a lot of recovery, but your life is so much more worth it. And she's a survivor, and she had gr- yeah. she had your grandfather to see her through. Now, yeah. for crying out loud, anybody in your family ever gives up, you're going to be kicking them. You're going to be in coach <laughs> yeah. mode. Get I off your you stinking of butt. Family. Let's do this thing. Yeah, you know, don't give me this crap. We're going to get out in the field. We're going to start. <laughs> so, we're going to PT here. We're going to do whatever it takes to get this thing done. Great beatitudes, I like to say, yeah. as a Catholic myself, too. 
I, I, I'm, a, I'm just incredible to, to hear this story like this, which is good. How about, how about a fourth Camino? What do you think? Kenzie, could you do something like this? <laughs> could we do a Camino in the United States? Yep. Maybe you should start if, something here. If she ever did one, I'd be walking right there. Right oh, down, right yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oui, oui. I Je m'appelle like, Robert. Ça va? Too, though. It's just yeah. like. Très bien. I mean, Actually, Bob, uh, Kristen, uh, Kenzie's mother, and, and Todd Zeal, who your listeners would know, ex-baseball yeah. player. Yeah. We had plans two years ago. Kristen, I've never been to Italy. And Kristen was going to be my tour guide. And when before COVID hit, we had planned to do a 140-mile Camino from uh, uh, Porto, uh, uh, Portugal, outside of Lisbon to Santiago. All the Caminos end in Santiago, Spain. Okay, gotcha. And Kristen wanted to get 10 days and 140 miles to experience what it was like. Then we were on to Italy and the the pandemic ended oh, all for that. God. So. Yeah, go figure. I know. Is that something? Yeah. But you were outside. But, but you would, tell them yeah. how many, what was your average miles a day? Uh, just over 18. 18 miles a day. That's and un- then again the next day. Real. Now, yeah, let me ask you this. I mean, 35 yeah. days. Okay, let's just take this for a second. I'm, yeah. And as somebody who's a runner like myself, 35 days, you're doing 18 hours. Are you, What is your pace like? Because I'm thinking you're you're probably walking like at 16, 17 minute mile or what do you, what, especially hiking. I mean, because that's going to change a little bit. Uh, that, uh, I'd have to do the math. Yeah. On that. All I can tell you is that in Spain, in September, the sun doesn't come up till 830 in the morning. Oh, wow. And okay. no yeah, that walk. latitude. Yeah, that would make sense. No one I had to walk close to 20 miles a day. Uh, I was usually uh, up at at five five thirty and walking in the dark with a flashlight, and then I would have breakfast when the sun came. But I, I was basically walking about eight to eight and a half hours a day uh, with a uh, a twenty two pound backpack and a two liter bottle of water. And you you when you mentioned earlier about terrain and stuff, you you go over four different mountain ranges that are about sixty five hundred feet, and then. The, the main part of Spain is a lot like Iowa and Kansas. It's, it's called the Mesa, the Meseta, the, the Mesa. Mm, sure. And it's, it's flat as could be. And, and during that, that's about 150 miles. I was covering, gosh, I was covering 22 to 25 miles a day. So you're almost doing a marathon in a, in a walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That, that is yeah. incredible. I, I just, I, I'm, this is, this is this really, it, it, fire me up here. I mean, I don't mean to deviate from, you know, the crisis in your life, but as you're doing this, Bob, is it Bob constant? Bob, are you going to be doing a Camino anytime soon? Oh, I'll be doing it in the El Camino and we can all hang, we can all hang in the back. <laughs> I don't know if Kenzie remembers what El Caminos are, Tom. Do you think she knows what an El Camino is? No, no, no. We're, we're too old for her. Ah, you would love, look it up online, Google it, El Camino. They're cool cars. They, they last. It's like a, it's like a vehicle that's really a pickup vehicle it looks like a yeah. pickup truck but it's really not it's it's a car but with a with a back that looks like a pickup i i love it yeah i no seriously i i would love to do it i'd like to take on a challenge like hiking and doing that that sort of thing but are you is this like constant i mean clearly not constant prayer but are you getting into space with these others are you doing rosary are you doing divine mercies i mean I, i'm getting deep here i'm dive deeping in, in the catholicism no, I, I i did at that time and uh but but when the, when the cancer thing hit, the, the way the dominoes fell in my cancer, even even to the point of getting to see Dr. Donishman, but then knowing that he did surgeries on Wednesdays and Fridays, and that was booked for the next two months, and they told me how aggressive my cancer was, 
there was a constant anxiety, although I tried to block it out, of if it spreads, I'm done. And then we got a phone call, and Kristen happened to be at my house, that an older man, see, with an eight-hour surgery, there is a high risk to the surgery. I mean, any sure. surgery is at risk, but an eight-hour one, um, a family didn't think that their their dad would survive it, so they canceled out. And we got a phone call, are, are you available next Friday? And it was like, then we were in tears. It was sure. like, oh, yeah. this, is a, this is a God thing. Now yeah. we don't have to worry about it spreading. Everything just expedited. The dominoes were there, and it was just, it, it, it was such a religious experience for me that was, it was the only surgery that I ever had that I was totally relaxed because anybody that knows me knows I'm afraid of, 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 of waking up even after arthroscopic and yeah. on the biggest one of my life, I just knew that the dominoes were lined up. I knew it was going to go great. That's, that's, and, that's remarkable. Uh, so it, was, it, 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 it really strengthened my face faith. And I've done several religious podcasts since then. Uh, I opened for Daryl Strawberry at a uh, religious uh, Christian conference for men sure. in Vegas. Great guy, and, yeah. For so, Matt's New York, Matt's he was and, uh, and, his journey and, and is struggling. I, yeah. I've, I've teased my kids and grandkids, and I said, "Gosh, I was a baseball coach my whole life. I didn't know that my retirement job was going to be to come <laughs> back as Joel Osteen, yeah, exactly. as, a, as a Christian minister." <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. You can. Do it. But you know what's interesting? It's funny you say that. It's funny how we're used in life. There, there's uh, there, it's called the Overcomer, and uh, the Kendrick brothers did a movie, and it's about how do you define yourself? You know, you didn't come if you come in around high, you know, I, you know, I, I'm Tom Gamboa, and I'm the professional. And you, co- what? Give me the, the the Major League Baseball teams you were involved in. Uh, well, I worked for eleven different teams over my forty four years. That's but a lot. I, I coached in the major leagues with the uh, was a third base coach for the Chicago Cubs, Cubs, and the first base coach for the Kansas City Royals. Gotcha, and I'm a. Uh, all the other ones where I was in the in the minor leagues in different capacity, mostly managing. Fantastic experience and the people you've been around. I still wish Buffalo, New York. We had the Bisons farm team to Pittsburgh. Um, I, I like the American League. I was never a George Steinbrenner fan. God rest his soul. Everyone were Yanks in my town in Western New York, but I I, I liked the Jays. You know, I just they were up the up across the you know the river and in the lake and and just liked the Jays. They kind of adopted them, but but uh, been out west. Love the Anaheim you know team and I've been out there. Had had a brat. Been up in Milwaukee and uh, many different places too as well to see some great ball games. And because of that, in, in 1990, I managed the. Famous Toledo Mudhens that Jamie yeah. Barr made famous in the J- match. Yeah, days. right. Yeah, and we and Terry Collins was managing Buffalo for the Pittsburgh Pirates when that stadium was brand I'll new. Be darned. And that was a beautiful. Wasn't stadium. it? Isn't it? And they oh, it, they could have made it a major league stadium, but I think it, we were it, because we just needed one more deck. You could, it was designed to you know, and you know that I know it, it was right. just yeah, it was too small for for big leagues. Right, but but for, but for nineteen ninety. It was by far Absolutely. the class of internationally. Oh, this is great. This love is a whole play. other podcast. Holy mackerel. I could talk about this all day. I love this because it was frustrating because I think it was a it was the juxtaposition of, of Buffalo with Cleveland, Pittsburgh. We had too many and you had the Jays, American League and you know, National Leagues all around. I think I don't know if whether whoever it was, a baseball commissioner or whatever just said, eh, Buffalo is it great place to do farm league, but not not great. But but although during a pandemic we, we were able to bring um baseball back, you know, to Buffalo and, and uh it's yep. 
did great stuff. People were coming there and, and watching the Jays. I mean, because Canada just locked down. You know, Trudeau said, heck no. So they, they brought they brought the professional game to Buffalo, and people were loving And I'll tell you, the support was fantastic. But I digress a little bit because, again, we don't define Tom Gamboa as, um, you know, hi, I'm Tom Gamboa, the, the professional baseball coach. No, I'm Tom Gamboa, the survivor now. Uh, the three Camino man, and now I'm changing lives and I've been inspired. I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, you know, it seems that way. Well, I, I, I joked with my kids because I, 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 I have no idea why God spared my life on something that, you know, when, when you mentioned stages, they told me I was stage two, but they said the best news that you got is that it, it is contained in your bladder. It, 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 it's bad news if it got outside. But having survived, uh, I, I said, I, I wonder why. I mean, I was grateful. But then, as I mentioned, I think this is the 10th or 11th podcast that I've done uh, about baseball, about religion. And then the baseball turn. I did a podcast for a guy that was a Mets historian. And I retired. My career ended with the Met New York Mets. Sure. And, uh, um, and so in the podcast, he had done his homework and he, and he said, I, I, I noticed that after you retired that you got bladder cancer. And so we touched on it a little bit. And I told him, I said, you know, having, being a lifelong golfer and baseball guy, having survived cancer, I can tell anybody that's listening to your podcast. I said, when you face death, there's really only three things that are, that matter in, in your life at all. And, and I call them my three F's your faith, family, and friends. Amen. There really isn't, yeah, they, right. there, isn't yeah. there really yeah. isn't a fourth or, f- or fifth on the list. Sure. Well, when the podcast ended, this guy, John, from South Carolina, he said, you know, I called you as a Mets historian and knew that you had an interesting career, but if you don't mind, I'd like to call you back when you're free because I'm a Baptist minister here in the oh, South, yeah. and I'd like to do a podcast on your faith and survival story. Yeah. And I think that's what led to me being asked to go to this Christian conference in Vegas last year to open for Strawberry. So I've joked with my kids. I said, geez, maybe God spared me to be an inspiration. Absolutely. Oh, I, I would say 100% unequivocally that he has used you to do that. that this is this is fantastic. What a way to, to really just kind of put this all together here. I think this is great. I mean, I, I believe that 100%, Tom. I mean, for sure. I mean, how ironic and the, the, you had the South connection there. Cause I'm thinking EWTN's near Birmingham, Alabama, and, and the lovely granddaughter there, Kenzie, uh, went to school mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, though, down the road, but but still in that in that area. So it's, it's, um, it, it is certainly uh, the truth, I think, with a capital mm-hmm. T. I think that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Um, how is our how's our man Daryl Strawberry doing? You just got me interested in that. I mean, you're in Vegas with Strawberry. <laughs> well, how's he doing? How's he? I, I, I was shocked, and I got to tell you because uh, because I was a I was a what was called a national cross checker, meaning uh, I, I I looked at the top 250 players in the whole United States out of high school, junior college, and college for the annual baseball draft that comes up in June. So when Daryl Strawberry went to Crenshaw High School in Los Angeles. I scouted him as a high school oh, player. For, look where he ended uh, up. That's crazy. They, 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 you know, the oh. Mets took him as the first pick sure. in the draft. And we, we know what kind of career he had, but we also know how he fall from the pedestal many times over, sure. which he talks about in his, so, I mean, it's no secret. Daryl talks about his drug, his alcohol addictions, 
his domestic uh, of, mm-hmm. of violence with uh, yeah. his mate, uh, the, 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 dr- the drug use, the tax evasion. I mean, I mean, this is a guy that really has been through it all and hit the lowest depths. But my, my point of all this is not only has he risen by the bootstraps from that, um, and who he credits his wife and his faith for, for making this happen, but for a guy with just a high school education, his preaching is, is you'd think he was a PhD from college. He's eloquent, yes. he's knowledgeable, he's charismatic, and anybody that listens to him knows that he's been to the lowest depths that you can possibly be yeah. with his drug use, with prison. It's a miracle. He's all, and he survived cancer twice. That's, yeah, he, he so, it just, that's... Yeah, he, he was captivating, and I couldn't compliment him enough afterwards. I, I just didn't, for somebody with a high school education, and, and he's a full-fledged evangelical minister, yeah, yeah. and he, he tours the country on a daily, he's on a plane virtually every day. His home is in St. Louis, but he's making speeches trying to give back because he feels so grateful to be to be alive and, and to make it to the age that he's been. So it, it was very inspiring for me to, to hear him knowing where, where he's been in his career. Kind of like Paul struck on the road to Damascus. I mean, he mm-hmm. then he rose himself right up from that. It, that, that is yep. great, great story. Awesome. If you yep. want to learn, hey, folks, if you want to know more about Tom and, and Kenzie, we're going to follow you too, Kenzie, because Kenzie, Kenzie's a, you're an off branch of, <clears throat> of grandpa and inspired by him. Truly, she is. She's, she's got the pipe. She, and she... I, we love her. I make her so nervous before we go on camera. Like I'm, I'm one of those people, Tom, I probably would have made Tom nervous too. If I'm out on the batting field and not focused, like I'll, I'll kind of mess around, screw on a little bit to have a conversation. And in seconds leading up to when the camera's on, I, I, I turn on, <laughs> but that's kind of yeah. my psycho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is kind of how I usually work. But uh, again, we're, we're going to put some links here. I'm going to put some links on the pilgrimage. If people want to hear more about that and Hear about you and, and your story because people need to know that. Do you have a link for that? And I think, Kenzie, you can send me some stuff. If you can do that, we can put on here at the bottom. We can put the, the, the Caminos on. But is there anything you have, like a blog or anything that you that you want somebody to track he your actually, book? He actually wrote a book. Well, for crying out loud, we need another He's podcast. He's the only person I know that wrote a book who's never read one. Okay, you ready for that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling him out like that. <laughs> he loves her too much. To, he, he gave her a hug on that. But you know what? As he just said, look at Daryl Strawberry. Here's somebody not very, you know, before the way his life started. No PhD, but he's he can you can do it. You're used in many ways. You, you know what, Tom? This and Kenzie, this is another podcast. I want to bring you back on. Let's talk about the book. How about okay. that? Is that fair? I, I would love, love to do it. And we're going to connect you with some stuff. Kenzie, whatever you have. On, mm-hmm. on granted, just just send it to me, and uh, sure. we're gonna put it right here at the bottom of this, so folks can connect uh, with and understand more about the Caminos. We'll even put a little link to the movie too, if people want to see that to inspire them a little bit. And yeah. with Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, who directed it for his dad to do. And I think that this is something that anybody listening—it doesn't matter what you have, even if you don't have cancer—you can pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you can walk. 500 miles. Try it today. You can do it. Thanks a lot again, Tom, Kenzie. Love you guys. Have a safe trip, Kenzie. I know you'll, you'll be back. Tom, you're a great man. I, and thank you for all in the Buffalo. We got to talk about Buffalo some more too. <laughs> yep. Hey, it's, it's great meeting you, Bob. Yeah, and you I'll too. Be taking her to the-
airport, sending her back to you. In a yeah, there, there you go. Have safe travels. God bless you. And thank you so much. And anytime you want to catch this podcast, guys, or anybody listening right now, you can do just that on all media platforms. At WRBL.com, you can see Tom and the lovely Kenzie through video, but through audio files when you're traveling to the airport, like Kenzie headed to L.A. from Balboa Island, you can go to Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media. It's as easy as going to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'll, I'll put a link there as well, end of this one today. God bless y'all, and let's all, let's all do a pilgrimage. Let's do it today. Come on. El Camino. We'll see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.